0: All right. Welcome back to the Casey Adams show. We have DJ drama. We are here in Charlotte. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Of course, man. So I'm in Charlotte visiting the family. Yeah, right. I know you guys are on tour right now. Yeah, I just want to take it back. You know, okay. your story as a DJ. First off, how's tour going? Tour is amazing. Um, Feels good to be back on the
1: road. You know, I actually just went on a, a tour right before this uh, called Legends of the Streets, uh, which was me Jeezy, Rick Ross, Fabulous, Two Chains, Little Kim, Trina. Definitely a different demo yeah. demographic than, you know, Wiz and Logic fans. It was definitely dope because being on tour with Jeezy and watching 20,000 people react to his music, yeah. you know, and thinking about my beginnings and, you know, this music that, you know, he created and brought to me when I was living in a fourth ward in Atlanta and my busted up duplex you know what I'm saying and so for 17 18 years later you know to watch the crowd like sing it word for word like as if it's a religion to them was insane it would give me goosebumps every night you know just being on stage and fast forward and you know being back on the road with Wiz we haven't been out since 2019 this is probably my sixth tour with Wiz I've been going out with him since 2014 and he has been at it for a minute (laughs) yeah you know and the vibes are great you know the summer vibes like you know just we're doing amphitheaters for the most part and so you know it's outside and kids like to just be on the lawn or just you know come for the experience so and for me you know it's even doper like walking out in, in front of the crowd and, like, getting the type of response that I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm 44 years old, you know, I've been DJing longer than some of these kids have been alive, and, like, to walk out and hear them chant my name is, like, you know, I, I, I'm always, a, I always get to points of just, like, in my career where I just, I'm just so amazed of the things I've, I've accomplished, you know, Absolutely. I literally... You know, my goal when I first started DJing was to get my name on a flyer. Like,
0: when, where did this journey start? Like, what was when was the first time you're like, you know, I'm gonna I want to be a DJ. This is what I want to do. And what was that? Transition because you know I've had a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, different business people, musicians. uh, But your story is so unique, and I feel just watching you over the past couple years with the talent you sign and how you move, it's just so cool to see it. And now obviously getting to know you and dive into it. Thank you. Like, what was the inspiration to start out as a DJ, and then you know after you entered that. What was the transition of signing talent and being able to see talent before someone may see it in themselves? Thanks, man. Thanks for that. The journey
1: really started when I was about thirteen. You know, I was you know going from eighth grade to ninth grade. I was really into skateboarding, and I was like my the hobby of choice at the time. I used to go down to like Love Park and skate. And then around the time there was a group of like black skateboarders. I was kind of like we were all kind of like you know young black kids skating when a time when like skateboarding was still known as like you know a white sport in a sense i was always the worst one and they used to always fucking laugh at me and crack jokes on me because i couldn't barely land a kickflip yeah yeah (laughs) um i went to go see the movie juice between eighth and ninth grade it came out in the theaters uh classic movie omar epp's uh, Tupac rest in peace and that was the first time I had seen a DJ on the big screen you know like really watching a DJ like cut and scratch and make a demo tape and and you know like go to a DJ battle and I just was like man that's what I want to do you know and I was already a kid you know born into hip-hop and I, I used to listen to all types of music too like I had a little like heavy metal stage, a little rock stage but you know I grew up you know with run DMC with KRS one with Big Daddy Kane watching yep. them on the box and stuff. so I convinced my mom after I saw juice going into ninth grade I convinced my mom to buy me a, a turntable and a mixer thankfully she did <laughs> and I would literally she would give me like five dollars every day for lunch money. I wouldn't buy lunch I would go downtown. Downtown Philly, there was stores called Funko Mart, uh, Sounds of Market, and Armin's, and I would buy records, and that's how, kind of how I like started wow. my record collection, you know, with lunch money, and yeah, like again, you know, I was I was in high school, I was like I did my first party for a friend of mine named Ari, I think he paid me like forty dollars, I had like one crate of records, and I did my best for his birthday party and you know my goal was like I when I used to go after school the subway stop was um, Broad and Erie near my high school and that's when people used to pass out all the flyers for like all the parties and I was like man I just want to get my name on a flyer like gotta get yeah. my name on a flyer you know like that was my goal so I've always said like you know everything past that has been extra you know what <laughs> I'm saying like that was literally my first goal yeah. as a DJ my sister took me to New York the summer after and I bought my first mixtape in Harlem I'm on 125th street it was DJ SNS old school part 2 and that literally started my fascination with mixtapes and mixtape DJs. Yep. And I was hooked. You know, there's there's a lot of branches of DJing. There's battle DJs. There's radio DJs. There's party DJs. There's mixtape DJs. And I used to study it all, but it was always something about the mixtape DJ that was so much like larger than life to me. Like Absolutely. listening to a Clue tape and like being ahead of the curve with the music or like even later on with with Who Kid and Green Lantern and like the type, like Who Kid was literally like making these eight-page foldouts of his CDs and they were like albums and, you know, I was just like totally blown away. And I had moved to Atlanta to go to college and I became a college DJ for the most part and I met my business partners and my friends, DJ Sense, Don Cannon, Lake Show. We all went to school around the same time. So, you know, we clicked up and we were, you know, literally – splitting $150 or $300 to do parties together fast forward some years later once I got out of school you know I never got a quote-unquote real job and I just was kind of like hustling my mixtapes and you know doing clubs and doing gigs and that was really when I started Gangster Grills and you know one of the first artists to ever reach out to me or give me a phone call was T.I.'s manager Jason Jeter and he literally got my number from the off the back of a CD and no
0: way off the back of a CD the first <gasps> oh phone call God. i ever got for somebody <laughs> to
1: come freestyle on one of my tapes wow was ti you know what i'm saying Yeah, that's and, crazy you know i think about all the people that are in my dms now or call me or reach out to me and it's like imagine if i would have turned that phone call down you know what i'm yeah. saying so um you know I gangsta grills i started it you know it went from a compilation of songs to just being like the hottest you know brand in mixtapes you know yeah. in the south it literally changed hip-hop you know i 100%. mean gangster girls is arguably the most important hip-hop mixtape brand ever you know what i'm saying i think there there can be conversations based upon who the greatest mixtape dj is i definitely am in the runnings and contentions for that guy but uh, beyond absolutely. that when it comes to mixtape brands nothing touches gangster girls So, you know, in a sense, I've been doing A&R work or been, like, breaking artists for 15 to 20 years already just with gangster Grills and creating that platform. I got my first deal at Atlantic Records through Grand Hustle. I did two albums there. I wound up leaving Atlantic, going to E1. I did three albums there. The opportunity presented itself for me to become an A&R back at Atlantic around, like, 2013. Around this time, I was also building my studio, Mean Street Studios, When I went to go meet with the powers that be, Julie Greenwald, Michael Kaiser, and Craig Kalman, I told them, hey, listen, I also have this studio you guys might want to partner on with me. So they agreed. So they came and, you know, they helped me build out Mean Streets as what I had already started building from it. And then Cannon comes back one day and says, hey, Little Uzi.
0: I was going to ask that. How did you meet Little Uzi? So basically there were a couple of artists that we
1: had the opportunity to sign beforehand that didn't work out you know so me Cannon and Lake at the time were like listen we're not missing no more artists yeah so Cannon came back to Atlanta one day he had had a gig in, in Atlantic City he was driving through listening to the radio he heard DJ Diamond Cuts playing Uzi he called the yep. station she answered he said who's that she said this is the artist I'm working with Little Uzi he came back to Atlanta I remember being in a radio room and him like yo I heard this kid named Little Uzi and I was just like, let's do it. Like, <laughs> didn't hear no music, didn't wow. hear nothing. I just, you know, I had faith and trust in my man, my brother, yeah. my business partner, as well as like, just, you know, listen, let's, like, we don't want to miss anymore. So,
0: yep. I so was What does that look like though? So you take a bet on Uzi back then, like what's the the game plan, right? When it comes to breaking an artist and what was that journey like with him going from, you know, just someone you heard to then being one of the biggest artists in the world. I
1: always knew that he had it in him. I mean from the from the first moments that we met we got in business together you know he would say stuff to me like john i'm gonna be more famous than you <laughs> and i used to be Oof. like well I, should i hope so if not I, I didn't do my job so you know when we signed uzi we had also signed a couple of other artists at the time and you know it's it's a it's a it's it's a it's a game of dice you know like as much as you want to say you know like you never know like Absolutely. you know we knew uzi had talent and then he was dope but would I know that we would be sitting here talking about him being one of the goats of his generation or, you know, being one of the biggest streaming artists ever? Like, yeah. absolutely you can't not. Predict you, that. you never can predict that. So <laughs> I was literally about to get fired from Atlantic. I was two years into my deal. They were looking wow. like, why are we paying this man all this money? And why have we spent so much money on the studio and what has come from it? Craig Kalman, you know, took a trip to Atlanta, sat down in the studio with me and said, listen, I believe in you. We're going to stay partners in Mean Streets. We're just going to let you take Uzi and focus on Uzi. And then, you know, even when we used to go to our A&R meetings, I remember them telling us, like, hey, listen... You gotta get this guy hot in his backyard. He's from Philly. You gotta get him hot in Philly. <laughs> yeah, and I'd be like, listen, y'all, it's not '96 no more. Like that used to be the way an artist would break. You'd have to get yeah. hot where you are and start branching out. And whether it's Atlanta or or New York, Philly, LA, you'd be the man in your city. Then you'd be the man in your state. Then you'd be the man in in that area. Then yeah. you go and the whole country knows about you than the whole world. We were in a different day and age. You know what I'm saying? Social media. Yeah, J. Cole. J. Cole didn't break in Fairville. Yeah. Drake didn't necessarily break in Toronto. Wiz didn't necessarily break in Pittsburgh you know these guys had fans over the internet yeah so they were
0: doing it like smoking on MySpace back in the day yeah, like, yeah and it was like brand new and then, <laughs> would, and
1: then they would double back and become the man in their city so yeah. that was kind of the same formula we, we use with Vert like you know he lived in Atlanta one of his first big looks was uh, on a Young Thug project I brought him on tour with me with Wiz I, I literally put him in front of 15,000 Every night we were doing the Wiz and Fallout Boy tour. Yeah. So, you know, I was
0: actually at a show in 2019, I think it was. or No, no, no this, this was before. Early. This is 2015. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: This is a long time ago. 2019, I brought Jack out on, on my tour and did the same type no of way. blueprint. Yeah. Same wow. thing. Wow. That would you and Jack meet? So, a friend of mine mentioned him to me in like 2017. I went to his Instagram page. He had like 7,000 followers. <sighs> I saw him performing in front of an audience, and I went and I pushed the the follow button. And I remember my homeboy being like, yo, don't follow him. Like, he's going to see it. And (laughs) he he literally followed me right back. Yeah,
0: he's on it. (laughs) He wound
1: up telling me later, like, yo, I I think I'm going to sign the drum. KY, an engineer who's worked with Lil Wayne, who's worked with Meek Mill, who's done a lot of my projects, being from Kentucky, was also working with uh, Jack at the time, and he told my partner, Lake, about, like, listen, I got something I want to bring to you guys. Jack wound up finding his way to Mean Streets one day. We met for the first time. We vibed. We kicked it. He asked me what I was into. You know, I was like, man, I just sit home and watch movies all day. And we started talking about movies, and there's this movie called E2 Ma Tambien. I don't know how it it came up, but it came up, and Jack was so amazed that I had seen that movie. (laughs) And it just, I think it really impressed him. And, you know, we had a meeting with the team and Jack, and he wound up, you know, dropping Dark Knight around, like, right before we had made the final decision to sign him. Okay. And Dark Knight started getting buzzed, and we were like, yo, we gotta do it before we miss it. You know, and literally, like, jack looked like napoleon dynamite when i signed him you know and the yeah, same way you see they, those
0: pictures now it's like they they're yeah. like back 2017 2019 you that's the that's the jack you signed that's the jack you believed in which i think is so cool like betting on the horse right that's the jack i took to sway in the morning You yeah. know
1: and, and, and put him on it what, what was platform. it
0: about jack outside of his music that you were
1: betting on Just him as a person. Again, he's somebody that I I could tell he had a vision. Like, he had his goals. Like, Jack was going to be here regardless, you know? I think the fact that him signing to Generation Now, him being able to stand on the shoulders of... DJ Drama and Don Cannon, you know, the guy that's responsible for fucking gangster Grills and the careers of Jeezy and Wayne and T.I. and yeah. Meek and Fab and, you know, all, all this part of hip-hop, it, it, it gave him a good cosign, especially coming in the game as a white rapper, you yeah. know what I mean, to, you know...
0: Doesn't happen like that for... at at such a big scale. You don't see that often. Right. To to know the stardom that he has now in the past couple of years, it's so cool to see. That's like one of a kind. And
1: it's about trusting the process. You know, Jack has a record called River Road. That's one of my favorites. That's a fan favorite. Where He he literally talks about it on the record about like, you know, getting that frustration of like, why isn't it my time yet? Like, when is it going to come? You know what I mean? And it's very introspective. And it's how a lot of artists feel a lot of times, and especially, you know, even in Churchill Downs, where he says, like, the label used to wonder how it was going to stand next to Vert, you know what I'm saying? Like, here we have this superstar rock star artist, and then we sign a Jack Harlow, you know, again, who people are looking, even the label was looking like, I don't know about the white guy, you know, so... To have done it once with Uzi and to have done it again with Jack, it's like, okay, you know, it brought a lot of validity to us. I always feel like we're, as Generation Now and myself, I've always been kind of the underdog in my career, and which I love. You know, I love, I love... I love the challenge. I love yeah. the I love the drive of it. So you know, it was like, okay, you know, they kind of make a hove, go make another hove, and you know, with all due respect to both Jack and Uzi, are totally in their own lanes. You know, for us, it was like, yeah, like we're those guys. We've been them guys. Yeah, we told y'all we it wasn't a fluke. 100%. You know what I'm saying?
0: And I, 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 I want to talk about that. Like you've you've done it not only more than once, but you've done it consistently over decades. Whether that's breaking yourself, breaking new artists. It, if you had to point to not only a formula, but just, you know, the the track record, how does an, a young artist as maybe listening to this today, like, what do you recommend they do? You know, for, you know, Jack popped up on your radar back in 2017. Like, how do you recommend an artist break today to get to the point where they can start working with, you know, more experienced players in the industry?
1: I mean, the thing is, there's really no handbook. There's not a handbook to this thing. You know, I just love drive and passion. For me, it's like it's going to be part of history that a kid from Philly moves to Atlanta and changes the mixtape game not only for the South, but overall and, you know, goes to jail for mixtapes and becomes this martyr like I I, I always I was going to be here anyway you know (laughs) but it's part of the story that you know so I'm so thankful that I didn't go to school in New York or LA I wound up in Atlanta and you know living around the corner from Coach K who managed Young Jeezy like you know these things are destiny like if you look at like Drake and Wayne, or yep. Ye and Hove, or things of that nature, or us and Vert and us and Jack. Like, 100%. you know, just to new artists, man, it's like, you know, first of all, like I always believe in being a student of the game. So you study your craft, you know what I'm saying? Like, ins and out. It's, you know, there's no school for music tech. I mean, there are, but, you know, there's like, it's not like when you go become a doctor, you have to pass this, or being a law- lawyer, you have to pass the yeah. bar. So it's like, you got to, It's kind of on your own to like do your own come up or you know find your own path find your own path like put your own music out you know I mean you know literally you can put your own music out on your on DSPs now and but you're also competing with a hundred thousand other songs that come out every day so it's like how do you get someone to pay attention so you know with social media you everyone's easily accessible you know they're a dm away
0: yeah this is how we got this podcast and a dm it (laughs) it doesn't
1: necessarily mean it's gonna work but it's nothing wrong with trying that it's nothing wrong with
0: i mean i'll say like i've done 400 interviews and i think 380 have done have come from a dm right like you're speaking that language just, (laughs) just in that you know i mean listen i get a lot of
1: dms from a lot of artists and i i don't I can't reply to everybody. I don't reply to everybody, you know, but I'm at a different point in my career, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, one thing I like to tell artists a lot of times is, like, don't try to go big all the time. You know what I mean? You don't have to go to a DJ drama or the upper echelon. Like, when I came up, like, Jeezy wasn't the man yet. Like, Tip was we were grinding together like yep. it was to come up that. together you feel what i'm saying so you know look around your 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 circle and my business partners are my friends from college you I know what i'm saying that. like so it's like before you try to go big like come up with those guys around you like yep. same like with the baby and jetson you know what i'm saying those are those are guys from carolina that made a sound and you know came up together so you know before you try to reach out to the big boys you don't necessarily have to like you know, your your manager or your your producer or you know, look at look at Noah in and, and Drake's relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. and, and Drake literally put himself in the you know, everybody has a story of I almost signed Drake. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah, from yeah, this yeah. person and that person to this person, you know, but Drake's manager is is future the prince. That was his DJ. No different than LeBron with Maverick and um Rich Paul. Those are his those are his homeboys from yep. you know back in Ohio. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. You know, it's about creating your own movement. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and I would suggest that before you try to necessarily reach out to someone like yourself or someone like myself when, you know, they know we get a thousand DMs, DMs requests, a, a, yeah, a day. Like the people that you might be able to make history with might be
0: around the corner from you. Yeah, I love that. Well, two more quick questions before we wrap up DJ Drama. Number one is, what does success mean to you? Like when you, you know, you've done so much of the past, couple of decades you've signed talent you've broken artists what does success mean to you at this point in my career i just really feel like success means means happiness
1: you know success for me now is about like being able to empower others being able to make other people rich as shit being able to like continue to thrive with within the culture and keep going you know what i'm saying like bro i've been i've been dj in 30 years i've been in the game for 22 i like i'm literally about to get my first grammy like i mean i already won it with tyler but thank you (laughs) hell yeah it's coming in the mail on monday for a (laughs) mixtape series that i started 22 years ago you know what i mean like success is just like it's being able to do what i love like i was doing this when i didn't have any hot water i got an artist seti hendrix and he has a song called can't go and I tell a st- I say true story. I said before all this gangster grill shit, money was tight, things weren't going right. I was literally about to move back to Philly. It's a true story. I like I was like, "Man, this shit as much as I love it, it's not working out." Yeah. And I almost went back to Philly and who knows, you know? And imagine if that would have happened. Imagine all the classics we wouldn't have or That's crazy. To imagine think <laughs> to think about like if I wouldn't have if I would have gone back to Philly, like, there would be no gangster Grills. There would be no generation now. Like, none of this would yeah. exist. So it's like, you know, you got to you gotta bet on yourself. And, and that's what success is to me. I mean, to be able to travel the world and do what I love and provide for my family and my loved ones and to watch Jack be, like, a multimillionaire and to watch Vert be, like, this fucking rock star <laughs> on another planet. It's like, yo, know, I, I remember these kids when, like... They just were wide-eyed and, and, and bushy-tailed, you know? So I love that's that. what success is to me.
0: I love that. Well, last question to wrap it up. Uh, if you could go back in time and give your 18-year-old self-advice, what would that advice be and why? Oh, that's, that's easy <laughs> for me now.
1: The Two of the biggest mistakes that I've made was when I first kind of like got on and became the man in 2005, I moved and I had a box of flyers of every flyer I ever had with my name on it, and... By that time I had already started being in magazines. I was kind of yep. filling myself and I moved and my landlord called me and said, "Hey, you left this box of flyers behind." And I was like, ah, "I don't need it." And I let him throw them out. Years later, I had a lawsuit. There was a guy saying he owned the name DJ Drama and he was going to sue Atlantic. So my first two albums don't even say DJ Drama. They just say Drama. And my lawyer told me, "Well, if you can prove if you could have proved that you been using that name for uh, this amount of time yeah, you would have had a case and I was like fuck I threw my flyers out just recently I had a, a storage unit that I had all my records and all my memorabilia in that I, I literally had since 2005 and I had it up to 2020 during COVID my phone got fucked up the way I used to pay the bill, got lost in the mix, they changed companies. Just recently I went looking for the storage unit and they wound up telling me that they sold it off for $393.17. Oh my gosh. I had been paying these people $22,000 for over 15 years. And when I moved into my home in 2017, I could have very well easily went to the storage unit got all this stuff and put it into my crib. So I've lost between the box of flyers yeah. and the storage unit with all my records, all my old photo albums, you know, I've lost wow. a lot of memories and yeah. things that I'm sorry to hear that. You know, would mean so much to me at this stage in my career. You know, it's the small things that yeah, you know, I would love to look back on flyers of me from 95 and 96 <laughs> or old yeah. photo albums that I had like of Lauren Hill holding one of my mixtapes and all that stuff is gone so I would have told my 18 year old self yo make sure you hold on to everything and keep everything and document everything <laughs>
0: Love that. Well, Drama, I know you're busy. You're about to go on stage yeah, soon. Sure. I appreciate you so much for Absolutely, coming on the show, bro. man.
1: Congratulations to you, Thank too. Thank you, man. And all your success and all you have doing, man. i love to see it.
0: I appreciate it, man. All right, guys. Thanks love. so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. Yeah. I'll talk to you guys
1: soon. Bye.